0: Good evening, travelers of the night. I'm your dungeon master, Wesley, but you can call me Wes. A few months ago, we set sail to try a new type of tabletop role-playing game series. Something more ambient, thematic, more character, less above table. Immersive with an exciting story and... Emphasis on growth of plot and character, and a lot has happened. We set sail on her royal rose, we slayed Dr. Buring, someone critical to the Van Thorne family, we met a cult, we burned somebody's house down. And so, let me invite all of you, players and listeners, to this. Episode one steeped in the consequences of player actions dust to dust. Today, we're joined by our regular crew Shane as Trevor, Ari as Esperanza, Matt as Nihilus, and Asteria as Dr. Glass. Let's
1: play the intro.
0: However, you may have brushed shoulders with Esper if you'd gotten up just a couple hours earlier, but there was a farmer's market outside of the Whaler Hotel. When you woke up, somehow the day was a bit more peaceful and idyllic than the days have been. In fact, though the clouds still permeate the sky, it's as if the sun shines just a little bit through, or the clouds are a little more translucent.
2: Trevor, his eyes kind of peel open. He blinks a couple times. Gets up. He did a lot of drinking last night, so it's a little more sluggish than he's used to. His head is a little uh, swimming round. But uh, he's feeling pretty good. He's used to this, at the very least. Uh, As he gets up from his uh, comparatively opulent bed in the whaler, he'll go out, look out the window, and uh, just kind of see the the hustle and bustle down below. Kind of rubs his eyes. He gives a bit of a snort. Goes, oh shit! Uh. He gives a bit of a uh, shrug to himself. He goes, well, "I gotta get me that." And then he's just gonna back up, uh, get as his- well dressed as he can it's basically the bare minimum he's getting his normal bandage changes uh, his normal work coat big heavy boots as he's going to uh, exit his room and uh, look around see if there's anybody around to uh, greet him in the
0: it's quiet. It's way too early for everybody else. Typically, at this hour, the sun has barely risen over the crest of the the ocean.
2: Takes in a deep breath, kind of flinches a little bit. Not only at the at the pain in his chest, but um, he doesn't quite like the salt air that uh, this place kind of gives him. But he'll grin and bear it and seeing that there's no one rising with him he's gonna take his time to kind of remember how Valadin moved Uh, even as someone so large to be able to move so quietly he's gonna try and take a few pointers from that just go heel-toe, heel-toe real gentle-like as he is wordlessly, quietly, uh, going to grab a a meager coin purse and uh, try and head out of his room and, and head to the ground floor to check out that market.
0: As you approach the market, it's maybe for the first time in your time in Port Hillcrest, it's somewhat crowded. If there's anything to do here, which there isn't much, it's going to be during gatherings like this. And you hear a crier from the center kind of announcing to the entire market, Saturation's here, folks! This might be the last market of the season until we hunker down, waiting for the saturation to pass. So come on, get your produce. The last of the imported goods and some locally made, of course. Enjoy yourselves! And he continues, just a patter of of voice from the background as he almost summons the entire town into this market.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Trevor, who kind of sticks out amongst the crowd, just by virtue of his size, he's kind of like head and shoulders above the average person. Um, he's like looking down, but he's also like a kid in a candy store. He's just kind of like seeing some of the stalls and damn. All right. Fresh. Not as fresh as a pants over here. Uh, All right. Hold on. And he's going to try and make himself as uh, easy to pass as possible, as he's basically uh, wading through a sea of people. And uh, he's going to uh, go and talk. He's first actually going to try and approach that crier and just kind of like calling out over the hustle and bustle just go, oh, hey, yo!
3: Uh, what's good? And,
0: of course, the, this... Oh, yes, of course. He lowers his voice for a second, stepping down the podium. You'll find everything you want here. We've got produce from overseas. We've got produce locally, though not much grows here. Um, and as you look around, you see the, the different stalls with fruits and vegetables none of them as fresh as you're used to from your hometown of Beale. In fact, it's probably a paucity compared to what you've seen in these idyllic times of past for you. But it's still something, and it's probably the most fresh produce you've seen on this island up to now.
2: Damn, alright. Uh, hold on. Excuse me. Miss... Oh, sorry. Uh, he's going to approach uh, probably... You know, you want to, uh, assuming that this place is an island, he's kind of putting two and two together. Uh, you always want fish when it's freshest. Uh, so he is going to see if he can approach any kind of, like, uh, fish stands or anything like that. See if he can find something local, uh, and, you know, catch of the day as fresh as you can get it.
0: As you approach, you see a gnomish lady. She stands on three crates stacked on top of one another behind a massive display of fresh catches. And you see, as she says, Come on, folks, we have catfish. We've got Dancho. Uh, Of course, jewelfish today is fresh as it gets. What can I get for anybody? Somebody say something. Oh, hey, hey, uh, uh, sorry,
2: I'm, I'm new here, so, uh, I'm just uh, looking to see what's good. Look at this thing. Just, and he kind of leans into the, the display and gives a deep inhale. Mm. Oh, ain't nothing like fresh fish, huh? What, uh, what do you recommend? What's, what's the freshest you got? The jewelfish is
0: the freshest. She picks up this fish. It's, it's not so large, maybe like six inches total in length, but it has these dazzling colors across its body. The scales of blue, red, and gold. Obviously, the name kind of matches, but it's as fresh as it gets. And it's delicious. Oh, oh, looks great.
2: All right. Uh, You see, as he kind of takes it slightly in his hand just to feel the weight. All right. uh, How how much for one?
0: Uh, You know what? How much for? Give me a couple. Yeah, sure. Uh, Two silver pieces. And where are you from? You said you're not from here. As she starts bagging it and wrapping it in front of you, giving it a few professional cuts
2: well you know i ain't from around here like I said uh, you know it, it ain't much to, to sneeze at uh, you just uh, you cross the sea uh, you head down the sovereign sea gate then you just head straight down the Umbra straight at the end it's, it's like a little community we got uh you know you ever heard of Beale before can't say that
0: I have but sounds delightful a small town I love small towns I haven't been in one in a long time well, I mean, they got
2: uh, fishing over there, too, you know, right by the river, you know, not a lot grows. So we got to focus on stuff that gets brought in from the sea gay, from the ember. We get a lot of
0: sailors. You know, I was almost a fisherman myself, uh, you know, that's just like us here in, in Crow Birch. N- nothing grows above ground. It's the air. It's too, too salty. So we grow all subterranean plants. Mostly. Everything else that you see here that's not subterranean, it's imported. Oh. Uh, well, what kind of stuff you grow underground? I, I assume, like,
2: sun ain't shining. That means you got to do, like, what, magic stuff or whatever?
0: Well, no. I mean, potatoes and carrots, the usual. What you'd expect, <laughs> of course. Trevor kind of gives a little bit of a... Uh,
2: but then he's like, oh, yeah, then... Right, Them it's like roots, right? So that, they're, like, underground all the time. Like... I don't need no some for that, right? He's kind of exactly. trying to put two together.
0: And, of course, all of that's grown on the island is really regulated by the Citadel, but for this market, we have an exception, and we're able to get things here fresh once a month. Oh,
2: I love that. Alright, yeah, it's like a little slice of home. Man, when a community comes together, man, it ain't... There ain't nothing like it. Uh, Alright, well... I'm gonna take your word for it. Uh, I assume, as he kinda of grabs the paper package. Uh, I got a few friends up top in the whaler, they're uh, staying with me. I think they're really like this. I'll have them waking up to some fresh fish, uh, try and fry it up nice, maybe grab a few vegetables while I'm here. You know, like I said, we gotta get them while they're good, right? The saturation seems to be. Uh, makes it so that the getting's a little slim, right? So. Gotta get it while I can.
0: Yeah, usually the the market kind of it has a little bit less during the saturation. It's never come this early, so I really don't know what what's going to happen. I, maybe the imports will simply not be here, but but I think this is the best chance to get fresh anything, really, except for fish. There's a lot of fish.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> better uh, get them before they're gone. Uh, you you have a great day. Uh, this is fantastic. Thank you for giving me such a welcome.
0: Yeah, of course. Oh, you know what? Just take this, too. And she grabs a few of the, the mollusks there and bags them and sends them over. Welcome to Crow Perch.
2: Oh, you're a darling. Uh, what's your name, miss? You can call Sorry. me Sally Mae. All right. Uh, my name is My, my name is Trevor. Uh, just uh, Just Trevor. I'll just um, have a good day. He <laughs> kind of gives a hard swallow.
0: Waves her hand up and goes on to the next patron.
2: Now, fish in his hand, uh, he's gonna keep going around. Uh, I mean, he's he's not super sociable, at least with you know the people that he's uh, amongst. But when he's speaking with the people uh, handing out produce, he'll ask about where it's from. He'll ask about you know what's the freshest stuff he's got, because that's that's the main thing. Is he wants as fresh as it gets. Uh, and then gets himself a bunch of fresh uh, vegetables, fruits, um, and is basically just kind of in his uh, down-home element.
0: It's, It's possibly the easiest that negotiation has ever come for you. There's such a warm welcome that you're just being... Anytime you mention you're a newcomer to the island something about it. You're just getting given vegetables and fruits. The amount you're paying for it is not nearly likely the amount it's worth. And time goes by. Before you know it, the sun is already firmly up. It is is—it is right in the middle of morning. Uh, maybe even getting closer to afternoon. You are carrying at this point more than you expected to get. Like a crate of various fish, fruits, vegetables, meats, um, even milk
2: Oh, yeah, incredible. Uh, Yeah, he would need that too. Uh, He's basically with this big old crate uh, in his hand, realizing the sun is now up, realizing that maybe uh, the guys are starting to raise up uh, for the morning. He's going to uh, thank every single vendor that he meets, uh, and he's going to try and make his way back uh, to his room to start cooking the stuff up.
0: You... Head out of this farmer's market. The crier still continues, his voice booming over the city, likely be heard from streets down. Uh, back to the courtyard where the whaler is, and you see the, the clock in the center, this mechanical masterpiece. Frankly, it's very, it's very impressive. It's like this work of art and machine that really doesn't, hasn't existed many other places. And, as you approach the Whaler Hotel, you see the doors are open, but there's a guard standing out front, and there's a few people who are standing to the side in front of the window. Uh, the guard seems to be speaking to some of them, um, and as you get to the gate, he puts his hands up. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, just a moment. You're going to have to wait. There's a... Uh, well... Maybe 30 minutes
2: 30 minutes I I just stepped out there like an hour ago what, what what happened
0: oh uh there seems to have been an issue with some of the patrons and we're just we're waiting for it to clear up before we reopen the the lobby
2: well I mean I'm, I'm just I'm heading straight for the elevator I I, I just got a room myself up on the top floor I ain't got to talk to no reception or nothing
0: oh you're a guest. Um, and go ahead and roll like a persuasion check. Okay. Uh, persuasion. Uh, big ol' six. <laughs> Look, this is going to be a little bit. I promise you, be- let you right back in. Even guests are being held outside right now.
2: Oh. Uh, sh- sure. Uh,. <laughs> If, if you could even just, uh, tell, uh, I got some, some, uh, roomies uh, over and,
1: uh,
2: they, they're also in the, in the room, you know, just, if you could let them know that, that I'm out here, uh, just to make sure that, that they know I'm, I'm not like missing.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, one moment and he goes inside and, and peeks his head in. Watch the door for me, would you? And the young the kid behind the counter got it bare back as as that's happening can
2: i try and like stand up and like get a peek inside and see if there's like any hustle and bustle and what this whole thing is all about
0: you you're tall you can see over these the, this small bit of crowd and as you look inside you see the lobby is empty the right elevator uh, seems to be uh, kind of going up and down because there are a number of guards uh, that seem to be kind of crowding around this hall, maybe six of them. Um, and each time the elevator comes down, another one or two get inside and go up and then it comes down again. Somebody comes out. Something's going on in the upper floor, but guests and patrons aren't being permitted m- any sort of movement.
2: Oh, uh, without thinking out, or without uh, saying it out loud, he's thinking like, oh shit. Was that... Did they find Margaret? <laughs> uh, and without saying anything, because when the going gets tough, he was trained uh, with black bulls, with uh, as a mercenary, as a farmhand, when people of importance start asking questions, you shut up. Uh, and so he is just going to take his little crate uh, and he is going to back off and let these guards do their business for as long as they need to before he can get, can get back in.
0: He comes back eventually. Um, Sorry, could you remind me... Uh- room was it that you were in oh boy uh we were in the
2: sixth floor weren't we yeah
0: uh-huh. uh huh uh
2: yeah uh sixth floor uh you know if you could just uh talk to uh her, her, her name is uh <laughs> and he's gonna kind of put his foot in his mouth a little bit uh, her name is uh dr uh isadora glass uh we we together. If if you could like send someone to to, to talk to her, as she she'll she'll know what I'm about.
0: Ah, ah, I see. Um, well, go figure. Uh, you can go right on in.
2: Great. Uh, oop, thank you. Uh, walking past him, does the change in demeanor seem like sudden? Like like. Oh, you're important, so you go through. Or, oh, we've got you right where we want to. We've got you right where we want you. Go on through.
0: Go ahead and roll insight.
2: That is a twelve. I'm gonna use my band of the betrothed to uh, re-roll that. Okay. Um, I'm gonna spend the charge on that. Uh. And try again. That's even worse. So that's a 12.
0: To say that nothing was odd about that would definitely, that wouldn't suit the way it feels. These other people are being held outside. And it's as if the moment you mention Dr. Glass, there is a a change. And you are permitted entry. And something about that might feel off, but... What exactly is, is hard to tell.
2: Uh, great. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, gotta cook up the fish while it's fresh, you know what I'm saying? It Goes bad quick. So yeah, me. of course. All right. his way past.
0: You get to the elevator where a couple of guards have just stepped out. And uh, the next pair uh, seems to wave you forward. You hear you can uh you can go ahead of us oh
2: uh, thank you kindly uh gives a bit of a nod of his head as he's still holding the crate because uh, uh thank you uh good luck with uh whatever it is you're uh you're looking for
0: <laughs> you step Ugh. into the elevator and select the sixth floor it in a belabored engineering sort of sound it lurches as it begins pulling up the hotel and as you approach the sixth floor the elevator opens and you see the door to the room is laying on the ground in front of it
2: he is going to uh, make a hurried run for that door
0: run down the hall, passing the lanterns on the walls, the, the pictures, the paintings of what is a old Victorian hotel, revitalized. And as you get to the doorway, you see the room has been tossed. The couch laying on the ground upside down, the coffee table smashed the other two doors also hanging off the hinges they're broken as well you see the drawer of teas tossed onto the ground the kettle bent and dented across the room and every single dresser and drawer is open
2: uh hold on hold on um He's going to rush in, um, looking around, giving it a quick once over, can he see if, was this just a, was this just a raid or was there uh, a scuffle?
0: Roll Investigation.
2: Oh, that's not a good idea. Uh, That is a 12.
0: You step into the room, having to push aside a bookshelf that was tossed in front of the door. Stepping over it, you get to the center where you can see into both rooms. You see signs of drops of blood on the floor, little spatterings. You see the rooms are empty. Everything has been ravaged. Paintings on the wall fallen, and broken. The suitcases and belongings, whatever had remained from everybody, is not present. It's it's almost like a crime scene.
2: Oh no! Oh no! 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 Uh, he's going to look. Uh, first, we see uh, Trevor looking out back into the hallway uh, before he ducks back in tries to like has the door when you say it's been knocked open is it like still available to be closed or has it been entirely knocked off its hinges
0: the door to the suite is completely knocked off of its hinges the door to the bedrooms are hanging on just by a splinter of wood a bent hinge
2: (sighs) Trevor is going to kneel down uh, at the kickdown door, he's going to lift it up and try and uh, push it back up against the frame just in a vain attempt to cover up the entrance so that if someone else comes in, he knows. Um, and he's just gonna like push it up against the door frame, not trying to attach it by any means. He's then going to turn around and very slowly, go room by room to check and see if there's anyone still here. And... You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see if there's anyone still here first.
0: Roll perception.
2: He is very cautious. He is at the ready. His fists are clenched. White knuckle through his bandages. Uh, that is a modified 20.
0: You step into each bedroom slowly opening each closet looking behind bookcases and furniture peeking under the bed to make sure that you're alone in this room but there's something that you can't shake you you don't feel or you don't see anything but you feel a presence as as if it's as if You just want to look over your shoulder one more time. And I'm sure you do, looking back, but nothing's ever there. But it almost feels like you can feel breath on your neck. Something always behind you. Roll a intelligence saving throw.
3: Oh, no.
2: (sighs) Yeah. There we go. Uh, that is a nine.
0: You're digging amongst some of the shattered shelves that have been toppled out of a, a dresser. You see some of the clothes have been left behind, those that were provided for Dr. Glass. And you, to get a better look at what's there, pull one drawer aside, move these clothes to the side, and... Suddenly, it's as if a switch has been flipped, but not a light switch. Immediately, everything goes dark. Maybe it's startling for a second, but you can't see and you can't hear. But you can still feel the things you are moving. Uh,
2: immediately... Once his eyesight goes black, uh, his hand goes uh, to his eyes for two seconds before now he's in fight or flight. He's like, someone's getting the drop on me now. Uh, He is just going to turn around, basically swinging out his arms to see if he can catch anyone in front of him. He's going, what's happening?
0: Your arms swing through the air connecting with nothing behind you. The place you are in the room, you know the rooms well enough to know kind of your general position, but your hand hits the shattered closet door and you hear in your head, Now, I've got your eyes and your ears. And if you play nice, I'll let you keep the rest.
2: Would, um, would Trevor know... This is more a question for Esper. Would Esper have made their exit known to Trevor?
4: Oh, when
1: you mean that Esper left to go get laid. Esper did let him know, as Esper also let Glass know that she would be returning later. Yes.
2: Right, okay. So maybe there's like, even in that, like knowing that they at some point probably came back, maybe there's hope that uh, Esper's not been taken. Um, he is still reaching out and walking forward, blind, deaf. Um, goes, Hey, no one, no one come near me. And then uh, as he says that before anything else happens, not hearing, like, does he hear himself talk?
0: You have no hearing and as you kind of let voice out of your mouth, you can feel the vibration of your vocal cords. You can feel the movement of your body, but that feeling of your voice, the the way that it sounds inside your head when you speak, it's different. You get the words out and you know you're saying them. you don't hear yourself doing it.
2: Breathing starts to quicken, 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 and he can feel it passing through his throat. And he feels utterly and totally helpless. The fight-or-flight instinct is now... The main thought in his head is, someone's attacking me and they need to die. Uh, Kill them quick get yourself alive. You need to live, survive, survive, survive. And as he's thinking this, something else comes into his brain. The lessons he's been taught, and the breathing ever so slightly begins to slow and slow and slow, and he's focusing more on what he can control his breathing, his touch, and very, very slowly his hands go up to try and keep as much of his touch-based, you know, as much of his sense of surrounding as possible. His breath slows to incredibly slow, almost supernaturally slow, as he will not let himself go without a fight, but he's going to do it in as deliberate a pace as he can. He's going to spend a key point and try and use patient defense, and he is going to let whatever comes to him come to him and if something touches him he will engage but he is completely on the defensive right now so I am using the dodge action any attack that comes at me will be at disadvantage but since I'm blind it will essentially negate any advantage
1: okay
0: now your friends they were easy I hope you are the same If you want to see them, that is you're going to feel some hands on your wrists. They're going to apprehend you now and you're going to go without a fight. And you start to you start to feel in this bated breath, in this this intentional slowness, you feel the vibrations of floorboards as you can tell there are a couple of footsteps approaching you and they get closer and closer until you can tell that they are right next to you
2: as this happens he is still focusing solely on his breathing hearing it in and out He has not responded to the voice in his head. He is focusing on the steps. Seem to be two people rapidly approaching. And he is holding his hand out. And just remaining still. He is waiting for the grip on his wrist.
0: As a hand tries to, not so hostily, but firmly grabs your wrist
2: in fluid motion he is going to attempt to pull his wrist toward himself and without trying to jerk the grip away he is essentially trying to lead wherever this hand that is gripping him leads to, almost like a dance, trying to pull him in front and just, with one solid left jab, just aim from where he thinks the face might be.
0: Roll to hit. Please with advantage.
2: Okay, if you say so
0: there's a combination of you know are we surprised are we do we have no eyesight and in this moment though the rules is written would probably be something like well advantage and disadvantage cancel out uh, i think there is a level of slightly more advantage that i'm going to to give to trevor here
2: okay i'll take it that is a 21 to hit
0: Please roll damage.
3: <sighs> it
2: is going to deal 5 points of bludgeoning damage. And I've already spent my bonus action for patient defense. So, I can't flurry your blows. But that good hit at least knows that there's someone there.
0: You feel something connect the end end of your fist. Those sounds don't come to you like you're used to. You feel the vibration as there is a crash in front of you. You can feel also the vibration of a voice, like a a scream or a yelp, and then followed by some chatter, and you can feel the vibrations coming from out of this room, almost in the the main area or the hallway as yelling starts to proceed back and forth. Please roll initiative.
2: Oh boy. Uh, (laughs) That is a five.
0: Trevor, a 13 to hit. Does not hit. Followed by a 17 to hit. That does hit. As your fist protrudes forward, making contact You feel movement around you and almost instinctively you weave your head to the side anticipating some sort of attack in your direction. And just as you do so being so at disadvantage in this moment, another hit connects with your chest. You feel it almost in the spot where you wouldn't want to feel it, but not quite. And this doesn't feel like a fist, it feels like the other end of a blade, the hilt. It's as if they're not trying to kill you. But with that, please take seven points of damage bludgeoning.
2: As the air just escapes his lungs, he yells out in pain, just sounds like vibrations to him. It's your turn. Am I still connected at the wrist? You are. Uh, I'm going to attempt to, while not being able to, he's not able to hear anything, but he still wants to seem like a threat. So he is going to still pull him in, and uh, he is going to attempt to initiate a grapple uh, with the person grabbing his wrist. Uh which I believe is part of an attack. Um, so I think in this instance, uh, this would be contested uh, athletics, uh, or at least my athletics with their athletics and acrobatics.
0: Okay, you can do so. Go ahead and roll. I just, I
2: don't want them to let go. I need someone to have control over in this instance. Uh, that is a 24.
0: You do so. You grab the wrist and still, like a dance, you twirl him around and are able to compress him against you. You feel wriggling. You hear, you feel almost the vocal cords of his own vibrating through his back and into you.
2: I don't know what you're doing. You took my friends, where are they? And is, as his bonus action, going to uh, use Flurry of Blows and is just going to start jabbing him and punching him straight in the kidneys once, twice.
0: Uh, here we go. Please roll to hit, end and damage if applicable.
2: Uh, depending on whether or not, uh, this is at disadvantage, advantage, or just a straight roll. Uh, let's see.
0: We're going to, at this point, given the surprise round being over, keep it as a straight roll.
2: Okay. Uh, then that's two 19s to hit.
0: Roll damage.
2: Okay uh first one is a four. second one is also a four, so eight total. As part of my open hand technique, they need to make a deck save and if they fail, they're knocked prone.
0: in lieu of a deck save, how do you want to do it?
2: Uh just punch, punch, feel the vibrations start to weaken in my arm as he starts to go limp. Uh, I'm going to keep him actually upright if that's going to finish him, in a chokehold. I just say, I don't know who's here. Just nobody make no sudden movements or I'll I'll kill him. Uh, I'm not going to try and kill him with the blows, but I'm just going to uh, try and use him as a bargaining chip, unconscious in my arms.
0: There is there's a sudden vibration that startles you, even in this moment. And it's so sudden and quick and begins and ends so suddenly. In fact, you can only presume it to be a gunshot. And his body goes limp in your arms. And you hear, Now, now. That's not what I asked for. So, you're gonna put the body down and comply or we will make you comply.
2: I'm going to when I knocked out the body was there a clang of a blade on the ground?
0: There was.
2: I'm going to let go of the body and blindly start feeling around the ground for some implement or the weapon he had.
0: Please roll perception with disadvantage.
2: Oh boy, this is, this is a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad, natural one for a three.
0: Please roll an intelligence saving throw.
2: Now it is an 18, but that is a natural 20.
0: You... Oh, wow. Okay. You are feeling around the ground, and the longer it takes you to find it, the more it you might be prone to feeling this sense of dread, this, like, if I don't find this, it could be the end. And you feel and you feel, and suddenly your hands start to freeze in this moment on the ground. They're almost petrifying before you until... The willpower of this moment within your head overpowers whatever is happening to you. You regain control and put your hand right onto the blade. It's your turn.
2: Now, he's completely not feeling like he's going to make it out of here. He doesn't know if his friends are dead or not, and he can't trust this voice in his head. So he is going to scramble. He feels the handle of something. He gets... Scrambles back up to his feet, and just... His hands are trembling. As he holds out a blade. Um, He's not going to engage patient defense, because... He's just he is coming to terms with the fact that he could die here and he's not willing to go without a fight. Uh, he is just going to use his action to dodge. Um, just engaged in a defensive stance, feeling the vibrations around him, holding out the blade. And he says out loud, I don't want to kill you. I don't... I don't want to kill nobody. I don't know what's happening. Just tell me where they are. Tell me if they're okay. Out loud, he is shouting at this point, seeing if anyone hears him. How many people are still here? Can he even
0: tell? Through the vibrations in the floor, in the walls, you get a sense that it's no longer just one other person before you, but standing away from you, it sounds like there, or it feels like there are several, maybe more. It's no longer rhythmic such that you can sense one footstep. It's more frequent such that there might be many. And as you stand in this corner of the room, sword clutched by your side ready to defend yourself at any moment you can almost feel that you're surrounded now I can take you to them that was the plan all along before you killed my guy
2: still holding it he's not attacking he is waiting for someone to approach again he can't You know, he's he's used his actions. He's he's out of options. He knows that. But there's something in him. Bravery. Stupidity. He has few things he's good at. Talking through things isn't one of them. To his detriment, giving up isn't either. He is just a cornered rat ready to bite at whatever hand reaches out at him.
0: You feel movement toward you again, and this time, two approach, as I'd like for you to roll an athletics check. That is a 14. This time, as two approach, you feel grabs at both of your wrists at the same time, They're rolling with advantage as the two of them grab onto your wrists and slam your hands against the wall so hard so as to disarm the sword from your hand. And they are pinning you to the wall now. Now, now, this isn't your time. Your time is later. This is a time to comply. Don't fucking touch me. Get your hands
2: off me! And he's just fucking still struggling as much as he can.
0: I'd like for you to roll one more athletics check for me, with a bit of a broader implication.
2: That is a 22.
0: You can tell as... It's not just two hands or three hands or even four hands that are needed to apprehend you. The room is crowding towards you. There are people all around grabbing and pushing and and lifting and you thrash with such fervor. It's as if you're you're throwing waves of people to the side or at least you might feel that way as this hand grabs and you push and that hand grabs and you push and there's a vibration of a tumble and there's a vibration of a crash but with so many people crowding around you and trying to apprehend you, it is an inevitability that at some point you would be just,
2: just as he doesn't go quietly the whole time he's being restrained he's being incapacitated, he is squirming against his against his restraints as his eyesight is completely blackened, he can only imagine the people around him surrounding him he's screaming himself hoarse he is coughing up a storm with these screams, just as he does so he just thinks back just as there's no visual stimulation the brain fills in the blanks and he just recalls himself being stomped into the dirt by a bunch of different people sometimes it was school kids sometimes it was drunken sailors and now he sees city guards just tearing him apart and there's nothing going through his head but just like fight 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 even as he's motionless he still squirms and as they take him away almost like I would say like for the sake of storytelling he might just like wear himself out and scream himself into unconsciousness If something outside doesn't get him, he's an animal, and he's fighting like an animal.
0: At some point in this fight, it does go dark. Not just visions, hearing. It's eventually a silence as inevitably you're carted away and not knowing how much time later Esper you start to come to everything hurts you are thirsty you're tired and as you look down. It's as if a burlap sack has been just ripped off of your head, and you see a man stepping away with a vial of slow ether that seems to have been applied to you against your will. Please add two more ticks to your tracker of slow ether.
1: Two more? In less than 24 hours?
0: No. Just two more as this one, an empty vial is held in his hand as he steps back and lets it fall onto the ground.
1: Son of a bitch. Um, What is around Esper that they can see?
0: It's almost as if there's a redness to your vision around the edges. Your eyes feel dry. You can tell you're bruised and battered. And as you look to your right, you see as you sit in this wooden chair, hands tied behind the back of the chair, manacled, feet manacled to the base of the chair, you see four others, still with bags over their head, and you can tell that they are Dr. Glass, Nihilus von Stonen, Trevor, and one more who perhaps you don't immediately recognize due to the bag.
1: Uh, their clothing wouldn't give me a hint.
0: Please roll history.
1: Not good, not good. Natural 20 for an 18.
0: The clothing is surprisingly eloquent and regal. It's wealthy, even. And you remember seeing a very similar outfit on Lord Felix Royce.
1: That's going to make... Like, there's a, there's moments where they're, they're squinting and squinting at him. Like, they're not sure, but all the same, the clothing is in their vision, and they know it. They have the memory ping, but it, it makes them hesitate and start looking toward the others. Shift a little, try and get the stool to maybe jostle just a moment, see if there's any moment of reaction from any of the other four.
0: You try to get the chair to jostle as this man in front of you steps back into the corner. You see a door beside him, a metal one with bars on the window, a center window towards the top. And as you jostle the chair, everybody else, you start coming to. The man walks forward past you, Esper, and rips the bags off of each person's head.
1: Not so rough. As Trevor
2: kind of starts to stir awake, his eyes peel open, his head throbbing. It's just like last night, except intensified. He basically comes up bag uh, removed his eyes start to peel open uh, and he sees the rest of the group he doesn't say anything but he does give a bit of a sigh of relief that there are other people around that he recognizes and that they're okay at least alive it's the same thought that he had back at the hotel important people are talking, just shut up. (laughs) And he just coughs to himself as he just looks...
0: Nihilus, you're a inquisitive man, and often quite perceptive, and just with your passive investigation, you can tell you're in a dark room. The floors are stone, the walls are stone, and judging by simply how the floor feels beneath your feet if you tap your foot, it's thick stone at that. As you start to come to, as this man rips the bag off of your head, he walks to the other side and silently waits in the corner. Linus
3: doesn't speak. He tries to perceive himself to the best of his ability in a calm manner, it's the little things that count, not rushing his eyes all over the place, not trying to look, not trying to show emotion, and he's also going to just wait, and it's a little bit of this daring game between them of who starts first, who starts reacting, and he tries to just sit and watch. Maybe even understand better what's going on. Try to really look at his surroundings, at this man right in front of him.
0: Dr. Glass, the bag is ripped from your head. You too, as with everybody, are manacled both to the feet of the chair and behind your back. Your cane leans against the wall in the corner, as with everybody else's possessions, seem to be haphazardly piled in the corner, out of reach for the moment. The door opens. And two, what look to be, I would call them guards, but maybe that's not the best approach, because what they're wearing seems heavily clad in breamed metal. It's not like your city guard. These people are well, it's a good word. Are packing. They, you know, they've got weapons, they've got armor. They look like professionals.
1: It's the private sector.
0: It's the private sector. You see a couple of heels walking behind them, but they look familiar. And just for a moment, Let's think back. What is the last thing that Dr. Glass remembers outside of the island of Crow Perch as it pertains to her past history with Dr. Hypatia Singer?
4: Oh, well, we're asking the personal questions, are we?
0: maybe your last interaction, or like, where would she have seen
2: Let's go back to your childhood
4: Well, we're going back uh, uh, more than 30 years to the end of Dr. Singer's fellowship in Glaive's Watch when her her year-long fellowship, Dr. Glass is in her late 20s and Dr. Singer is a few years older than that, and exactly as planned, exactly as discussed, exactly as Isadora always knew would happen, Hypatia's going back home to her husband and her career and probably other intense affairs with slightly younger women who are completely inexperienced with such things and there's nothing to be upset about is there because this was always what was going to happen and Hypatia does not seem so very upset it's a fond farewell and so what right does Dr. Glass have to be upset
0: she at this point is bowing her head to get into the carriage that is to take her away and she looks back for just a moment and it's like everything was said that needed to be said in that one look and as there is a forlorn smile out of the corner of her mouth she nods at you and enters the carriage.
4: And Isadora feels, as the door closes, a profound sense of humiliation that she, that this woman taught her so much and showed her so much and uh, this woman who was her first almost everything uh, and who knew so much more about so much you know when uh, Isadora was a full adult you know an actual doctor (laughs) had you know hardly ever even kissed anyone before she met Hypatia Uh, and now was living a whole new life. And now, but Hypatia was just walking away. It was not, none of it was new for her. And Isadora had no idea who she was going to be tomorrow without this uh, magical person.
0: You see the heels that remind you of Dr. Hypatia Singer. And of course, trailing above the heels as this woman steps into the room is her. You see, she has a black eye. And as these two guards, they kneel her down before you in front of the chair. And Her, She's gagged. There's a cloth and a... What looks like an iron ball. And blindfolded.
4: And Dr. Glass is stunned. I don't know if she's clocked Felix. I think she must have just before this. And it's sort of... It's extra stunning just the... Having... Humbled herself to him just a few days before, and like because she's six. Sorry, (laughs) Uh, Doctor Glass is a sixty-one-year-old woman, uh, and to a lot of people seems made of steel, and that's sort of how she thinks of Hypatia Singer, (laughs) and to see her like this is. It does not compute. And her first thought upon the bag coming off her head was actually something like, oh, good. Because it meant she didn't have to think about what had been going on with her and Luminoth. She was glad for a distraction, even if it was a life-or-death situation. And now... She's afraid in a way that she's not usually afraid.
0: The guards step away as this woman is patiently kneeling there before you. And again, there are footsteps towards the room. And Esper, you can at this point almost feel the tension that comes from these footsteps you've had to experience that gate for a little while now and it's never been a comfortable feeling in the short time that you've come to know this person but trailing this time behind the guards reveals themselves to be a similarly gagged and blindfolded Mr. Augie. And can you remind us for a moment, what might one of, if not your last, interaction have been with this man?
1: Esper's last interaction with Augie was uh, probably... Honestly, it was her greatest act of defiance against him, which in the scheme of things was not that large. But at the same time, Augie had not truly met much resistance from Esper. Esper had been accommodating even if Esper was unpleasant with him. They had, once upon her royal rose, a sort of crass snarky bit of a back and forth kind of relationship but Esper had been doing what Augie asked because Esper wanted to be compliant but the final meeting uh, Esper had been insistent had been reminding Augie that the terms that Esper had agreed to in order to go on this journey had been broken and they were doing very much what they could To see if Augie, not that he cared, but more like to see if he was weighed down by the same precedence as other employees of the asylum while even outside of it. Um, Esper walked out of that carriage and that escort fairly sure that Augie disliked them significantly more for the Defiance. But Esper themselves were quite neutral to it. They didn't expect any better from Augie that they still had forced Esper to go to St. Seraphina's. But all the same, seeing Augie marched in, the confusion that is on Esper's face, it seemed... Lord Felix, and then this doctor watching Glass's face in reaction to it. There's just this perpetual confusion that goes down, and it, it sinks kind of to a new level when they look at Augie.
0: It was before he had gotten to that inebriated state of, of almost embarrassment that night that he had found you in the halls of the Whaler Hotel and kind of walked up. You could tell he was already drinking a bit, a cocktail in his hand. He'd never been a kind person. In fact, the moment you met him and left that hospital to accompany him on this trip, the facade of caring had washed away. And he was just an escort. And he had walked up to you in those halls of the whaler. Oh, Esper. I I hope you're not gonna get on to any trouble. I gotta get you to where you gotta go.
1: I I I thought that once we were here your your job was done.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm almost done, but you have to have your meeting with Mr. Faust, and if you want to talk no, to him no, about... No, no,
1: no, I don't. No, I don't. I do not have to have a meeting with Dr. Faust. Dr. Faust was not part of this deal, Boggy.
0: There's a belabored sigh from him as you see his chest rise and fall, and then he kneels toward the ground a little closer to eye level and places his cocktail on the ground. Look. What the system says, the system does, Esper, and you're going to this meeting and if you don't show up, I'm in trouble. All right, so maybe you'll get to see the doctor you want to see. I'm not the one who decides that, but I wish I could do more. I can't. And so I'm just going to enjoy this trip and make sure you get there.
1: Esper looks down towards the drink. Looks back up at his face. The drink again for a moment. Drink up, Hooky. It's going to get on your face no matter what and she'll stomp herself away from his crouched form uh, to head back up to the suite that does not belong to her.
0: Turning the corner towards the elevator, you see back for just a moment as he kind of just remained kneeling there for a little while and picked himself up and he doesn't know you're seeing this. You just see as he downs the entire cocktail and walks off in a direction of the hall and as his steps approach before your chair he too is kneeled before you
1: to Esper's utter bafflement does he look similarly like he has been roughed up a bit
0: not so much. He he doesn't look roughed up. He simply looks apprehended. I don't think he's the kind of person who would have put up much of a fight.
1: What the what the hell? Hell? Why you?
0: You can almost hear through his guy. Hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: she looks almost almost a little disturbed that he was brought here but I think it is clicking in Esper's mind that Augie's probably the only person on the island that anybody who had been watching her would find some familiarity to she's just gonna high and her shoulders are going to begin to sag as she as best as she can slumps in the stool that shakes her head a moment I am sorry if you got roped into it Trevor
0: another set of footsteps approach the door heavy ones that of a bigger form of a person Not ones you're too familiar with, but perhaps they strike at the... Who ever heard that before? And... Remind me, please. During the time you spent... A considerable amount of time... Helping Ken... Move these crates as a favor... In her royal rose... What was that like? <clears throat> well, it was
2: monotonous, backbreaking labor, but Trevor was no stranger to that. In fact, it was almost nostalgic. Moving boxes. Coming into the Sovereign Seagate, he saw marvels of technology that he had never seen before. Um, he had worked on uh, a ranch for most of his life and had to do most of the, the backbreaking labor on his own. You know, he shoveled the shit, he gathered the hay, he broke the horses, fed the cows, milked the cows, fed the chickens. To come into a world like this is mesmerizing. They have machinery to do the moving. They don't need to, they don't need to pay the machines. They don't need to uh, keep them happy. They just do the job. But that was always what he kind of saw himself as. as as he shoveled the shit as he broke the horses as he fed the chickens milked the cows he was happy it was simple and it didn't pay great but he knew his place and it's that nostalgia that kind of drove him to seek out similar work with Ken and the fact that even in a place so technologically advanced as Crowperch, as the Sovereign Seagate, there still is a need for that. And that kinda brought a smile to his face and as he's carrying the the large heavy crates, he's looking, he's seeing bits and pieces of his old life. He's even seeing the little crates marked with uh, House Gaspard. He sees the few visions of his father-in-law, and that kind of drives him to sour on the nostalgia subtly. So he'll ask Ken offhandedly about, oh, you know, what's House Gaspard doing in a place like this, and he'll say, oh, you know. They have business all over the place. And it reminds him that as far away as he is, there's no distance he can run where he's not still taking a piece of home with him, he can never quite sever himself, nor would he truly want to. And so, as he's moving the boxes to and fro, reminiscing on his past he speaks with Ken a lot it's not particularly engaging you know they're not philosophizing or engaging in the deep intellectual conversations that he'd often overhear from Dr. Glass they're just talking about family as much as they can he talks about his mama he does that a lot About how strong a woman she is. Talks about his wife that uh, he had to leave, just didn't work out. But he just had fun for the brief amount of time. Because the people he's speaking with now, they're great to talk to. Dr. Glass is so much fun to listen to. Nihilus has a perspective, but still has that insight and intellectualism that he might not be able to engage with, but it's still fun. Just speaking with Ken for those brief moments was was a trip back that he desperately needed to just shoot the shit and talk about normal people problems for a little bit. Don't worry about uh, the whispered self. Don't worry about the commandments that the SARS testimonium bestows and the endless search for truth. He just wanted to talk about, you know, the weather. He just wanted to talk about the last shift he had where he threw his back out and it hasn't quite worked right since. Talked about his wife, and the joke that she told him right before he had to leave for his last mission. That's what he looks for in people. He looks for the realness. And for that brief moment, he got it. So despite only knowing him for a little bit, he remembered his name, and he remembered his problems remembered his family. And that meant something to him.
0: He, too, is walked into the room. You see his hands, though manacled, his fists are scarred all across the the fronts of them. He is not the kind of person who would have let somebody just take him he is very battered and bruised but he walks taller and confidently as he kneels down before you as the guards push his shoulders to the ground
2: I thought he can (laughs)
0: You can almost see the edge of his mouth turn upward as he just nods in front of you.
2: I got you. That's a shame. Used you to get to me, huh? Oh. I'm sorry, man. I'm real sorry.
0: He straightens his back. And with intention, gives his sho- his shoulders a nonchalant shrug. And Nihilus, there is a final set of footsteps being led into this room. They're lighter, almost elderly. They don't strike the ground with confidence but with a solemn intentionality a a peaceful quietness to them the guards even seem to walk slower each time it's been business this time for some reason they let this man take his time as he makes his way down this similar hall and towards your door. Nihilus, there was a time that you had boarded the ship to Crow Perch, her royal rose. It hadn't set sail yet, but you were able to sprawl out your things among the couch and to open up your testimonium and to begin studying it. There was somebody watching him for a moment through a crack in the door. And what was he doing at that time? What was he thinking to himself?
3: What he was doing is he... Going through the Testimonium Veritas, or almost any book at that, from a scholar's perspective, is there's these different layers of understanding a book. You've, you've read it. You try to understand it from the point of view from the one who made it. And then over time, it, you get your own personal intake over it. Even though he's read it so many a times, he's made his own notes. It's, it's almost like his own journal of a diary to, the addition, the, the rewriting of the verses that are in it. He's just thinking, writing down, and he stops for a moment. He, he sighs and he says, God, what am I even do- doing here? But I have not gone back, that I've confronted. I being a coward for fleeing, or am I doing the right thing for following m- my orders for doing what is right? I please show me a sign. <laughs> I know we, we- you know that's a lot to ask, and I really shouldn't. Not like that. I I've doubted my heart and I I want to stray away from it. There is always a path one must follow this... this... I don't like this feeling. Ah, I, should, I shouldn't bear too much. I should... oh. Father Patrick almost always taught me that the road ahead is the one I need to take by simply just doing whatever feels right. Stop trying to overthink everything and take it step by step. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to find out. He closed the book. Just uh, to find out. As soon as I get off this boat, going to see if I can just get some more information about who's purse, see what's up. I, I really need to get my bearings. Oh. And he just looks stressed, really. It's not a man that's confident right now he's in so much doubt and
0: well, he's homesick there is a sound of maybe a very slight stumble as the person behind the door uh, might have accidentally brushed up too close to it and footsteps away and that's roughly when you begin to hear the frantic footsteps at the time all the way in session one of dr glass trevor and the first mate of the ship walking down the halls the footsteps that walk through this door blindfolded but gently gagged but no iron ball just a cloth there is a level of respect that has been given to his treatment you see Father Patrick as he is softly led across the room and knelt down before you what 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 What? this
3: this can't be what's the meaning of this what what You're here? How are you here? What what has happened? Uh, uh, What? Uh, He he, he tries to get closer to him. He he
0: tries to see how he's doing. Father? Your manacles, they... They cinch against the wood of the chair as you lean forward, your feet and arms. The chair doesn't move you can only venture to guess that it is bolted to the floor and you see as Father Patrick kneels before you and he lowers his head into the angle of prayer and he's silent as the guards raise their bodies up and yet again leave the room. What is the meaning of this? You hear footsteps down the hall Just two sets of guards this time, no third person along with them, as they walk in with a mechanical metal disc in one hand. It looks technical. Dr. Glass, you would notice that it has some of that black obsidian-like material that's similar to that of your cane. Nihilus, you would notice that it bears wires and cogs that are similar to that of the Vox Brass communicator that you were gifted at the beginning of the campaign. And Trevor and Esper, you would notice as one of the guards holds his hand out in front of them and a projection engulfs the room you see three people through this projection. In one corner, you see a man on a surgical bed, severely burned through his face, Sam Van Thorne, being treated. On the other side, the corner of the room, blindfolded and gagged as well, you see a projection of... your Aunt Amalia, Dr. Glass. As she... meekly... sits... chained to a wall in the corner... knees... legs kind of folded to the side... and in the center... you see... a powerful woman. You see some scars... Along the side of her face, she wears a tight, proper suit of sorts, a corset, a hat that covers very neatly done hair, and glasses, spectacles, something about her just emanates this, oh gosh, I mean, eminence. It's like, this is somebody who you don't fuck with. And that's a good place to take our 40-minute break. Oh. You're still here. Well... This is where the video ends, so you can click off. But if you insist on sticking around, I might as well give some quick announcements. This is the last three episodes, this and the next two, of season one. Season two begins soon, and we changed a lot. We're really trying to figure out how to be entertaining and well-edited, and fun and easy to listen to and be just the right amount of commitment every week that it feels doable, especially if you watch more than one Dungeons & Dragons actual play. Because let's be real, they can be four hours each and there's just not enough hours in the week. Next season, you can expect two-hour episodes. We break our sessions in half and we, when we inevitably end on a cliffhanger for part one, You'll catch the end of the episode on the following week for part two. Easier commitments, shorter episodes. But what I really want to say here is I'm so incredibly grateful at how much excitement has been shared about our type of Dungeons and Dragons, how quickly subscribers have been growing. We meant to do a hundred subscriber video, but... That came and went just as fast. And I don't know where we're going to be in six months. And so anybody who is still here at the end of this video, thank you. I truly am grateful. And I'm looking forward to what 2024 has to bring.